So, <laughs> funny story <laughs> for another time. <laughs> Welcome in Beyond Venue. One and <sighs> to the magic that is Big Damn Cast. Double digits. We're ten years old today. We're ten that episodes old today. That one actually got me. Well, you know, I've got. A, I have one of them in me every ten episodes. <laughs> um, Do you just wait for episode twenty? Yo, it's gonna be <laughs> semi-hilarious. It's, yeah. And speaking of semi, uh, I'm joined by Matt as usual. I'm Chris. Yes, yes. We've got a smorgasbord of filth to discuss this week. Quite a few topics, actually. Little bits um, here and there. For, for, and as usual, this is what we're here for: geeky gossip, nerdy news. Shit that doesn't really matter. We like to talk nonsense. Yes. Um, speaking, speaking of nonsense. I bathed in it this week. I bathed in nonsense. I got round to watching the ultimate cut of Batman very Superman, Dawn of Jaundice. <laughs> um, <it's... laughs> I've not heard that one before. That is good. I like it. Ultimate is a strong word. <laughs> oh dear. Um, it's apparently got 30 minutes of extra footage, and the movie certainly feels longer. Oh, good lord. It felt like a slog anyway. But it certainly didn't make any more sense. Like, okay. uh, it, There's lots of extended shots, and there's stuff... They explain more things, but right. it's cool. The plot still makes no sense. <laughs> For give, give us a couple of examples. So, Whip out your examples. There's scenes added with... Um, Jenna Malone, Star Lab scientist. Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone, and some Malone. bit more KGB stuff, and a bit more stuff with like the witnesses for the congressional hearing and stuff, which kind of establishes that Lex is manipulating everything behind the scenes. Like he gave bullets to the guys. By the way, spoilers for Batman very Superman if you haven't already seen it. But Wait, I'm gonna the whole it. movie is a spoiler. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Spoils it. Spoils your soul. I'm gonna talk about it. It's gonna make no sense to you. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Um. But yeah, if you're worried about spoilers for Batman very Superman, come back in about ten minutes. Um, so, uh, it does more to to establish that Lex is 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 uh, manipulating people behind the scenes to get Superman and Batman at odds. Right. Um, it does more to establish that he's bribing the or pressuring the witnesses. The congressional hearing. I happen to, the woman who testifies against Superman at the beginning. In the theatrical edition, I don't remember her being in it all that much, but there's more stuff with her and like Clark Kent comes looking for her. Yeah, they, 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 her. In, in the extended cut, don't they reveal that she like her? Sure, she she has she sees KG Beast waiting for her. And she's like, oh no, I need to, and then she goes to the senator and is like, yeah. I've been I've been pressured into lying, and then. She goes on the subway and gets pushed under the train by KG Beast because if you think your life's in danger, you can go wait at the end of a subway platform. Yes. So that's question. Happened. Question: Was KG Beast even Russian? I can't recall. He is Russian, I think. <laughs> that means but he doesn't have enough lines to even ascertain. They don't call him KG Beast because there's no KGB anymore, so it would make sense. <laughs> um, It'd be funny if you just had a tattoo at least. Or something. Little, like a little throwing on. Oh, yeah. they give Jimmy Olsen some more stuff to Yeah, say. Jimmy Olsen has some, some his name. actual dialogue. And then he has a moment where he's like, Yo, I'm not I'm not here to, to take you guys out. I've been authorised to make a deal. So he's trying to like, actually deal with the terrorists. Okay. He's been sent in to, to like, speak with them, not, not as like a mole. Um, Despite hidden recording equipment. Yeah. So they're going to be mad. Even if he's there to negotiate, they're yeah. going to be mad because he's 
revealing where they are. But uh, but then KGB is he burns all the bodies. Right, to make it look like, like Superman burned them, burned, his, burned them up with his heat vision. Famous laser eyes. His famous laser eyes. Famous um, eyes. Famous eyes. Laser eyes. Not, they don't really expand on the on the stuff that could do with expanding on, like, why is Batman having visions and not talking to anyone more about it, and how does he see the future? Uh, none of that stuff gets expanded on. Is he actually this rough and horrible because something genuinely horrible happened, or Just, is it being left know. open to film websites to speculate. Don't know. Don't touch any of that stuff. Because a lot of these websites are really apologetic for it and say like, oh, the reason Batman's like, it's like he's lost all hope because Robin was taken from him. And it's like, the film doesn't tell us that. Nope. The film shows a dull grey copper looking armour with spray paint on it saying jokes on you, Batman. And it doesn't even and it has show a staff, us that. It has a staff yeah. in its hands because Zack Snyder once again googled Robin and saw an Arkham picture and went, that'll do. But of course it's some weird spiky staff. Yes. Because well, to be Robin... fair, Tim Drake used a bow staff. Yeah, but he didn't use a bow staff with a freaking like, yeah. shuriken. Uh, it looks like a Tuscan Raider staff. On it. Oh, God. Um, also, Robin had a bit of colour on him, you know? Yeah. He wasn't just grey, coppery. Just, uh. it, it, it annoyed me even more the second time round, the whole chase sequence to go after the kryptonite where he kills like 17 people. Yeah. And then he just breaks in and takes the kryptonite anyway off screen later on. Oh, like, is it still off screen in the extended cut? Oh, yeah. Waste of time! Yeah. The only reason it was there is because he wanted a scene where Superman was like, piss off, Batman. That's it. That's all he wanted. Um, it's uh, a bit extra... Are Batman and Superman's um, moral drives any different? Because the biggest problem nope. in the in the movie is that it's like, you're a vigilante who does his own thing. I hate that. Yeah? Well, you're a vigilante who does his own thing. I hate that. We no, must fight, even though we're the same character. It's made a bit clearer, and you see a little bit more of... Bruce being goaded. Lex sort of massaging behind Ooh. the scenes. Ooh. To, Which cut to, was this? To, like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to sort of convince Batman that Superman's an alien threat. But then he doesn't do anything to convince Superman to take on. Like Superman just thinks, oh, this Batman's a bit... A bit a bit rough, a bit rough and ready. I better give him a good talking to, which is totally a thing Superman would do, but not a thing that Zack Snyder Superman would do because Zack Snyder Superman's never established as being that good. Yeah, he's always going to be invisible. Um, more of Clark? No, not really. Okay, um, so dude who has top, well, second billing in his own sequel, yeah, still doesn't get that many he's lines. Not really, to any say. more Batman stuff? Um, oh God, are there any establishing shots? No. So even in the extended cut, they don't give us establishing shots. A basic term, a uh, basic part of filmmaking structure. Here's where we are. It's, and now the um, scene begins. And there's none of those in the movie. And it's confusing and convoluted as all hell. Yeah, Does Lois Lane get anything interesting to do? No. Okay. Is there still the awkward... Is it, like oh, say, aren't they quirky? Look, because, I'm climbing in the bath because with they're, Because they're setting up the Lex, Lex <laughs> behind the scenes being like orchestrating things. There's yeah. a bit more of... Eisenberg. Lois Lane doing detective work. Okay. About that stuff. Is like, there more Eisenberg? Mm, a little bit, but not much. Is the like, Steppenwolf scene added in? Yeah, and it's exactly the scene as it was posted online. It's it's just like, they just, they just dropped it in the phone. Okay. Because um, that's at least two minutes of, ex- of extra footage right there. I think there's a little bit more dialogue in that last one. In that last scene with him and Batman. Okay. Like I think he shouts down the hall for a bit longer. I was expecting him to say Dark Side, but he never did. Um, 
No. I think we all expected a lot from this film. Yeah. That did not deliver. Nope. Um, uh, the, the Martha thing still feels as convoluted as it mm. gets and comes out of nowhere still. It's a little bit more of snarky Alfred. And like, the the main bit, the, the congressional hearing that Superman goes to and then blows up, you see more, count, you see Alfred's reaction to that. And, okay. Uh, and you see more, you see a little bit more of Martha's reaction. And it's explicitly stated in the extended cut that the wheelchair is lined with lead. Right. Okay. So but then again, Superman that's not that's not something they've but, really emphasised in because I don't think in Man of Steel they even emphasised the lead thing. But it's still, but the the main problem still comes to Superman being like, but I didn't see it, and I don't, I think I didn't see it because I wasn't looking. So it doesn't <sighs> matter if it was lined with lead God. because it just he doesn't think about that. All he thinks about is like, oh, was I even looking in the first place? And then you also see a bit, you see, you see a bit more of after the congressional hearing, Superman is helping people, mm. survivors out of the wreckage, and then he's just like, uh, and then suddenly he's just like, actually, I can't do this, and then just jets off. So for a brief moment, Zack Snyder lets him be Superman, and then he's like, and then goes, oh no, emo time, and then a paramedic's like, he's like, what can I do to help? And a paramedic's like, I'll just give him some room to work. And he's like, mm. and then he just got fucks off to mope. Oh, and that's when he goes into the back of the, into the, he climbs a mountain. So my girlfriend hadn't seen it before. Yeah. So this was the first time she'd seen it, period. And he's like, why is, and she's saying things like, why is Superman climbing a death mountain? And why is he having a vision of his father on top of it? And why does his father tell him a story about drowning horses? If I remember correctly, he's dressed, he's dressed as Clark as well at that point, isn't yeah, he? He's in his normal clothes. Yeah. So he's he's gone to mope, and he's strategically gone home, changed back into his normal day wear, and then flown off to a mountain somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if it's a theatrical cut, but when he's climbing the mountain, he's like, the the old guy watching him go up, is like, he's come here to die. No, that's not in the theatrical cut. I was cut. like, well... In the theatrical cut, it just cuts to him on a mountain, yeah. and then suddenly Kevin Costner's there. He's a bit more involved. Like he meets a couple of people at the bottom of it, and they're like, "Why are you going up? Why is he going up? I don't Why know. is this scene? I don't know." Um, question: Jenna Malone stars like, Star Labs person. Yeah, who is she interacting with? Lois Lane. Right for like a scene, two scenes, two scenes, I think. What does she add to it? Nothing. Okay. Uh, Doomsday. Um, still a pointless cave troll? Oomsday! Oomsday! Yes. The ultimate baby! Still a pointless cave troll. Still a pointless cave troll, okay. Uh, Lex Luthor still comes, even with all the new machinations, it's like, absolutely. revealed, still comes across as, like, a dude who doesn't really know what he's doing. Everything that was wrong with the movie, absolutely still wrong with the movie. It just takes longer to explain oh, God. the plot that makes no sense oh, in the first place. Oh, God. Hundreds of pairs of eyes saw this movie. Thousands! From, from a guiding perspective. People who could have influenced the story, the script, the direction, the look, the pacing. Every time they could have made a good decision, they made a bad one. Every time they all just went, yes, Zach, this is cool. Or, yes, Mr. Executive Producer at Warner Brothers, this is fine. Oh my god, I don't understand. And here's the best part. The only way you can see the theatrical cut now is if you purchase... Uh, the YouTube version of the movie. Oh, no, no. The Ultimate Edition is two discs. Does it include it? It comes with the theatrical edition. Yeah. That surprises yeah, me, yeah. that. Because all I think features... it must be the DVD that only comes with the Ultimate Edition. Then. All the features okay. are on the theatrical edition disc. Right, okay. That's why I'm getting confused. Because the, um, the DVD edition is the Ultimate Edition and that's it. 
It's like no. the ultimate the edition blue, and, and like a special feature. The Blu-ray one, or at least the one we bought, which, which would be borrowed or someone we didn't pay for it because we're <laughs> because not, fuck that we're not buying that movie. Um, <laughs> okay, so we, it's still available because I, I noticed on YouTube if you wanted to buy it on there, discs, yeah. it was only the theatrical version you could purchase. It's it's two the the Blu-ray version we got is two discs and it's the one disc is the theatrical cut and features the other disc is the ultimate cut. Because I got the sense um, they were trying to sort of erase the theatrical cut from people's minds, like that would fix people's thoughts. No, because because it, it just it doesn't do anything to fix it. So odd. It doesn't do anything to fix it. So it was an, it was literally an exercise in pointlessness. Yeah. No change at the DCEU there. Then uh, we'll continue with them. I think. Yeah. Now. So this is weird. Mm. A weird thing happened last night, which yeah. would be the which would be the Monday the twenty ninth. Our Vargas, um, the year of our Lord, 2016. Yeah. For those listening in the future. Why are you listening to the future? Go why, do other things. Why is the future so boring? Go make love to your um, robot partners. So Ben Affleck <laughs> literally just dropped a video on his Twitter feed of Deathstroke. Yeah. Or someone that certainly looks a lot like Deathstroke, but let's just say it's Deathstroke, because it's freaking Deathstroke. It appears to be. It looks like either, either a, costume, yeah, a test. costume test or a scene from Justice League. Yeah, or like, like a daily. Yeah. Like, like it's like a daily. So like we've just caught, like, the, you know, the, it's a bit of footage of him walking toward camera. And, yeah. And and that's it. It's it's definitely Deathstroke. It's a very um, overtly detailed, layered armor kind of design at with first, muscles and everything. At first, I thought it was a bit of Arkham Knight because it's got that kind of Arkham yeah. armor design to it's it. It's like, here's the sort of, like, here's, oh. here's the. The abs on the armor oh, is the. I can't tell if this is CGI or if this is a costume. Yeah, and then he gets near the camera and you go, "Oh, that's oh, real." That's real because that's oh, the person's eye. And then the costume test sort of element is the fact that he sort of turns a couple times to almost show off the mask. Yeah. But he could be looking at something, and this is just a reaction shot. And it's a mask with someone wearing orange eyeshadow underneath it. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. So the dealio is either this is a shot from Justice League. Like a daily shot, a daily shot from Justice League. And Deathstroke's in Justice League. And Deathstroke's in Justice League, however big that role may be. And Affleck's going, hey everybody, here's Deathstroke. Yeah. Or, Deathstroke is having costume tests right now for the, as as far as we know, as yet unwritten Batfleck solo movie. Well, the, the Batman movie is written. It is definitely Ben Affleck has said he's got a script. Yes, okay. But he's not ready to start shooting yet because he's not happy with it. Okay. 100%, and he has to. He wants to be a hundred percent happy with the script before he starts shooting. Yes. So it's not started shooting yet. They might be far enough along to do costume tests in terms of like they what know the which cast is going to be. Which characters yeah, will definitely yeah. be in the film. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's more like that. This is from Justice League. And that Affleck's possibly going... Because here's the thing that's... You might have heard this story so far, because pretty much all news sites are reporting it as Deathstroke confirmed as main villain for Batman yeah, solo movie. Yeah, like, there are headlines in, on some news sites that are straight up, Deathstroke is the villain in the Batman solo movie. Nothing of the kind has been confirmed. As of yet. Until Ben Affleck... On until, Tuesday the 30th, and yeah. as of yet, nothing's been confirmed by Warner Brothers. But until Ben Affleck goes... Deathstroke's going to be the main villain in the Batman movie, everybody. Yeah. Can't wait for it to happen. Like, don't don't take that as literal. But, Deathstroke's involvement in a Batman film? Yeah. Pretty cool? Yeah. Pretty cool? I'll buy that for a dollar. Deathstroke the Terminator would be the only person close to actually being able to tackle, tackle a grizzled, um, experienced Batman. Mm-hmm. Because he's a grizzled, experienced Batman. You're terrible. I'm a very bad man. You're terrible. 
Um, but at the same time, it sort of feels like a bit of a cop-out because yeah. Affleck being such a big Batman fan and this being a DCEU where they're almost kind of like, yeah, fuck it, put the crocodile in Suicide Squad. Yeah, do the... Like, you'd think they'd take advantage of Batman's more core rogues gallery. Maybe they're all dead. No, because... Maybe Batman's killed them all. No, because don't you know, he kills regular criminals, but he lets the Joker live. <laughs> yeah, that um, happens. Because reasons... Joker Ugh. kills Robin and he lets the Joker live. Ugh. And Harley Quinn yeah. kills Robin and he lets, lets the Joker Yeah, he lets Harley, Harley Quinn live. Um, and uh, Killer Croc kills and eats people and he lets Killer Croc live. Yeah. And dead shots in front of his daughter, but he's... St- I mean, he's still could have bat-branded him and shoved him in prison. Whatever. Oh, that's another thing the Ultimate Edition of DVS adds. Oh? Lex Luthor... Is paying criminals in prison to kill criminals who have been branded. So that's to purposely rile Superman. But let's to be rile honest, Superman and Batman. But let's Batman be honest, I was going to say, Batman would be investigating that then. Yeah. And not just that, why is he branding people in the first place? So, more explanation. Batman's, you could say, well, Batman's, makes less sense. Batman's doing branding people because he wants people to be scared of him. But if he's a 20 odd year old, like, you know, a 20 odd years of Batman. He still wouldn't be an urban legend. He wouldn't be Bigfoot. He wouldn't be a mystery. People would be fully freaking aware that there is a Batman now. Like, oh my god. Okay. But yeah, that just reminded me of that. And I thought you should not. Hmm. Um, Stroking a Batman movie? I'm up for that. Just feels a shame that we're not going to like get, you know, a League of Shadows or a Clayface or something like that. But whatever. We might not get a League of Shadows. Oh. But we might get a Justice League Dark. Oh, Mincy Tats! So this has happened recently. So, yeah. you know that Gambit movie that we're never going to get? <laughs> what do you mean? The Gambit movie that should have been out by now? That we're never going to get. The Gambit movie that's meant um, to come out by now? Yeah, right. Or at least I've had a teaser trailer out by now. Uh, that So Doug Lyman was directing that. <laughs> oh, I did not know that part. And then, now he's not directing it anymore. Because okay. he's gone over to DC. Yeah. To work on Justice League Dark. This is the guy who directed Edge of Tomorrow slash All You Need Is Kill slash Live, Die, Repeat <sighs> slash this marketing killed this movie's title. Yeah, because li- Edge of Tomorrow was pretty great. Yeah. And, um, but no one saw it because it everyone went to really see, everyone went to see uh, All You Need Is Kill and was like, where's that gone? Oh, it's not in the cinemas. I'll go watch this instead. Yeah. Oh, well, at least I'll pick up Edge of Darkness when it comes out on Edge of Tomorrow. Sorry, no, Edge of Darkness. Edge of Tomorrow when it comes out on Blu-ray. Oh, they never released it on Blu-ray. Live, Live Die, Die looks kind of similar. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what is But it is, it is Live, Edge of Tomorrow still on the box. Yeah, they've re- they retitled it. Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow. Makes no sense. Point is, pretty good action director. Yeah. Who was going to direct a comic book movie that only people who are still living in the 90s would really have been giving a shit like, about. Who wants a Gambit movie? Channing Tatum, apparently. The 90s. The, the same people who would go see a Gambit movie, the same people who would go and see a Venom movie. Because they're not over the early 90s yet. That's no, why. No. Um, but... But he's going over to DC. What? To work on Justice League Dark. Which has been in development hell. Five, Since six years now? at least the same time as Man of Steel. Yeah. I feel like you've been announced at the it's same been, time as Man of Steel. It's been proposed since before Man of Steel, because I remember talking about it on my radio show. With, with Justice League Dark was thingy, and it was a passion project of Yelmo del, del Toro, Toro, which made us all go, ooh, okay. And at that point, it was going to consist of Zatanna, Deadman, Etrigan, Swamp Thing, and Constantine. Yeah. That was who it was going to be about. Which and I that was... got people excited, because Constantine is a movie... Is nothing like Constantine, really. No. But it got enough people interested in that idea 
that Warner Brothers were like, all right, Guillermo, if you want to put him in a film, and it'd be a new one, not Keanu Reeves' mm. Constantine, if you want to put him in a film and do that stuff, we're up for that. So development began. And then halted. And then was interesting, like interest, an interest of Warner Brothers again around the time of Man of Steel. And then we went away. And then came back after Man of Steel. And then went away. Anybody, anybody? Anybody? So you're sensing the pattern here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not happening. So it remains to be seen whether this will actually happen. Um, it is probably... It's probably bolstered by the fact that the next DC animated project is a Justice League Dark animated film. Which looks terrible. <laughs> um, but that's because I'm not massively keen on the animation style that all the DC animated stuff has switched over to. Or the fact that they've decided to be a shared universe for some of the films, but not all of the films. Yeah, and it's not clear about which one's which. I think all of them are taking place in the New 52 now. Yes, they're all in New 52 continuity. They use Justice League. Is it Justice League Origins? They had the... they had Flashpoint, and then yes. they used and then the next one was Justice League Origins, and that brought it into New 52. So right, but um, in Flashpoint, Flash in, in Justice League Origins, Flash doesn't ever reference or have any knowledge of. So basically, it's a cluster fluff. That, well, yeah, no, because you thing... need, you'd need at least you need something because that suggests that this entire DC anim- DC animated home video universe yeah. has to start with Flashpoint, which implies there is a continuity that they then scrap in one film. Yeah. So what's the point of doing Flashpoint and then starting well, it? Everything, all the oh, animated God. movies, all the animated movies that came before Flashpoint no. weren't in a continuity. They weren't in a continuity of their own. Wonder Woman wasn't in the same continuity as Emerald Knights. And, oh, and, man, it's so and, and they weren't in the same continuity as, if I remember correctly, Assault on Arkham. No, Assault on Arkham. That's separate. That's Arkham continuity. Um, Batman Gotham Knight is in the Nolanverse. Um, the first Batman of all that series is, I'll look over to myself because I've got it, because I'm a stupid idiot, is uh, Batman... Uh, Under the Red Hood? Uh, no, that's separate. That's considered its own thing. It's Batman, Son of Batman. Son of Batman is the first one of the ongoing Batman movies in that canon now, which Son of Batman has nothing to do directly with Justice League Origins. But in the second one, Batman vs. Robin, they tie it more into that version of the continuity, although it is a sequel to Son of Batman. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) The point is, DC can't get it right whenever they work with Warner Brothers. I've got it. Well, the Warner Brothers own DC, so they can't work with anyone else. Yeah, so there we go. DC's always comes to adaptations. Uh, so, will this version of Justice League Dark get off the ground? Nope, probably not. I would, I would like it. To. Oh, I'd like it too. They won't call it Justice League Dark for a while. They'll find a different name. I'd like it, and to then they'll I'd... chicken out and call it Justice League Dark because it will sell some tickets. I'd like it to, and I'd like it to call Matt. I'd like it to bring Matt Ryan back as Constantine, but they won't. No, Justice League Dark should be. This is what you should do with it. It should be a mini series or a story arc in one of the Balanti shows. Mm-hmm. That would be freaking great. Mm-hmm. That would be so good. And well, Constantine's popped up in Arrow. Yeah, so and well, there you go. You've already that. got him. So people who like him will go. Oh, he's back with a with a new storyline. There was a lot of, like Mag- Arrow season four had a Damien Dark as the villain, so it was primarily magic and occult stuff focused. Get but then they've said season five is going to move absolutely in the other direction, like gadgets and yeah. military and, yeah. and assassins again and all that stuff that they did in like the first year, and then the second year, yeah, and then the third year. Third year, oh, the third year got a little mystic with Rachel Gould. 
Uh, but you know, if you put it, put them in Flash, have a well, season, getting... have, have a story arc in a season of Flash, as well as Flashpoint being one of the story arcs in this season. You see a season of Flash, which we'll come to in a minute. Um, we're also getting Savitar and Doctor Alchemy, the two villains for the season. Okay, all right. Well, so that'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, Justice League Dark. It's it's an Edgar Wright Ant-Man scenario, except without the happy ending. Because at least with that, we went, wow, what Payton Reed gave us was a pretty enjoyable, damn yeah. good movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame we'll never get to see the Edgar Wright version, but I am more than happy with this Ant-Man movie. But I mean, how many movies have there been now where we're like, oh, we'll never get to see the Guillermo del Toro version of that movie? How many, how many Guillermo del Toro things full stop? He just can't get things made. I don't understand it because he's brilliant. He's amazing. Like, Pacific I'm, Room was brilliant. Crimson Peak was Brilliant. Hellboy was brilliant. Hellboy 2 was brilliant. Even Mimic's pretty damn good. <laughs> well, Pacific Rim 2's happening, just not with him. Just not, yeah. I think he's, I think he's giving a creative. He's involved, but hand, he's not directing. But his, him pushing it wasn't getting it made. Nope. John Boyega's production company getting involved is what's given it the green light. Legendary have gone, yes, do it. But it also looks like it might be tying into a King Kong Godzilla cross universe, so maybe that's why they've greenlit it now maybe. because it's like, oh, we'll all get on this multiverse bandwagon. I just don't understand why, why, when Guillermo del Toro makes such consistently great, I mean, more people mustn't, must, no one must go to see him. No, they do, they do but, well. But Box office makes, is great, but he makes consistently great movies, and he can't get things made. Like he couldn't get the At the Mountains of Madness made, and he was trying. Pardon me. He was trying for years and years and years and years to get out of the mountains of madness made. He just can't do it. I'm just going to say this. The one place that needs to book that trend is Disney. Because if he gets his Haunted Mansion movie made, I will be a happy bunny. (laughs) I will be such a happy freaking bunny. Conan O'Brien's show, uh, uh, Andy from that, did a tour of Guillermo del Toro's house recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's got like a full-scale sized version of the Hatbox Ghost, the ghost that was taken out of the ride for reportedly being too scary <laughs> in its first year of being open in the 60s. <laughs> he's got a Hatbox Ghost replica in his house. He loves it. He, he loves it. When, when he was started working on like the, what was then going to turn into the pre-production for his movie, which again is now on halt of the Haunted Mansion, Ryan Gosling was going to star in it and may still be attached to it. And their meeting, his pitch meeting with Ryan Gosling was he treated him to a day out at Disneyland and they rode the Haunted Mansion seven times in a row and then went and ate in like one of the cafes and talked about Haunted Mansion incessantly. People who spotted them got photos with them and then other people who were in the camp- cafeteria were like, these guys are nerding out on Haunted Mansion. This is amazing. Ryan Gosling and Guillermo del Toro are here having a nerd wank over Haunted Mansion. Guillermo del Toro is awesome oh god awesome he's been, he's been pushing for his Haunted Mansion movie since 2009 yeah Disney if you can make a Doctor Strange movie if you can make Guardians of the freaking galaxy do the Guillermo del Toro Haunted Mansion movie now do it and wipe away the stank of the Eddie Murphy one please but um in some, <sighs> also on the subject of DC things that are dark <laughs> have you watched any Gotham Chris I watched the first Three episodes. I think the third one's the Kite Man episode, and that's where I went. Screw this. <laughs> Screw. The, no, it wasn't Kite Man, but it was some. It was someone. It was a, that was it. It was a serial killer who was attaching his victims to hot air balloons, and then they were popping, and the victims were falling out of the sky. And I went, Does this show want to be camp or not? I can't tell. And then I gave up. <laughs> 
because I was like, this isn't this isn't my Batman. This isn't my Gotham. This isn't my Jim Gordon. This isn't Jim Gordon. Ugh. Well, you finally dived in, didn't you? Well, I was egged on <laughs> at diving in, and I dived out pretty damn quickly. What um, made you go into that well? What hellish thing brought you into the fold, sir? So... <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> you can't even muster up the, the Edinburgh strength. Television Festival... Uh, what's this guy's name? Is it something... Captain Von Fuckface Stick. Something Heller. <laughs> something Heller. Uh, Bruno Heller is one of the show is the showrunner of Gotham. Nice. And he was at the Edinburgh, he was at the Edinburgh Television Festival recently. And he said, I don't think superheroes work very well on TV. Probably because of the costume thing. TV's about real people and faces... Not so much about magic and the supernatural things. Gotham has to be both a crime procedural and a mythic, epic, grand comic book saga. It's a tricky combination because you have to keep it real and unreal at the same time. And then goes on to explain why he chose Jim Gordon as the focal point for the show. Okay. What's fun to write is the mor- is the moral and sort of psychological collapse of Gordon. Because, you know, Gordon is a character yeah. famously... Famously collapses psychologically under pressure, yeah. You know, like he did that time where his uh, daughter was crippled and he was taking I, a fairground I never say this. images. I never say this. And, and came out the back of it definitely a raving lunatic, didn't he? Definitely. Yeah. I literally never say this, but... Yeah. Read the fucking killing joke! Because <laughs> as a Gordon story, it shows you uh... pretty much anything you really need to know about his moral integrity. But He's then put he through hell, then... and then he comes out the back of it Still the good man we know him to be. Scarred, beaten, and recovering. But a good guy. But then Hella goes on oh to say, God. Every season is moving towards the world in which Batman has to emerge to save the day. So every season is doubling down on the chaos and anarchy that is overtaking Gotham, so things keep getting worse. Right. That forgets two things for me. One, as a television series, it means it will never feel like it achieves anything like Smallville yeah because it will eventually just reach a point where it's like and now the stage is set but that's not a story we're allowed to tell bye everyone so it's completely pointless you know also contradicting like years of what people believe is continuity people's personal interpretations yeah but 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 it's still leading to something that people already know (sighs) yeah so it's kind of pointless and two (sighs) okay Point two is this. Batman creates all this stuff by existing. Yep. He is the thing that begins the chaos. He comes in to stop it and the world grows crazier because of him. Does that is that definitely the mathematical equation? We're never told that for sure. It's kept blurred because that's what's interesting about his story. It's pretty clear. Does he create right more chaos. He certainly creates the Joker. Yes. And they're really, well, really like, trying to the, force even the, if the Joker. Even if the Joker is a guy who already exists, Batman is the reason he goes even further. Yeah. Because it's more fun. Clayface probably wouldn't be tragic, tragic this, that, and the other. It'd probably be a chemical thing dissipated. Batman keeps him alive. Clayface gets bigger and bolder. Harvey Dent 
Batman is part of the reason why his crusade goes the way it does and he ends up becoming Two-Face. Oh god, if they do Two-Face in Gotham before Batman's around. Catwoman probably would have just stolen a few things, got over it and lived a quiet criminal life. No, Batman makes it more fun. Catwoman sticks around. Freaking the Riddler becomes more of a thing because he feels like he's met somebody he has to prove wrong. Batman creates Gotham's villains. That's part of the fun of this. Oh, yeah. He starts off fighting organised crime. Batman then... is a cure to a problem that gets bigger because of his existence. Yep. Heller then goes on to oh, say... Oh, God, here we go. The comic book constituencies become so large and visible with mm. the whole Comic-Con thing mm. that it's very easy to assume that the audience is purely comic book enthusiasts. But I operate the show on the basis that it is a mistake to just go there. What we are trying to do is always give little Easter eggs little gifts every episode to the real cognoscenti but you don't need to know more than the basic Batman myth so what he's saying is we have no substance we're just giving you easter eggs to give you fanboys something to wank over yes like the whole this character's the Joker no this character's the Joker no this character's the Joker no this character is definitely going to be the Joker we've given him episodes all to himself oh he's gone oh yeah did we say he was going to be the Joker? No, what we actually meant was the Joker is something that will be born out of the ideals and the psychosis of all these people. He will eventually be a product of what these people do. So, the first couple of seasons have dropped on Netflix in the UK. So I thought, you know what? No. I'll do it. No. I'll see what it's like. Save yourself! And I watched the pilot. Oh, God. And I barely made it through. How far did you get before you went? Nope. I was noping about half of the pilot. And I was like, oh, there's got to be something coming in that's going to redeem it. And I was like, no. No. No, it's real bad. Fish Mooney's terrible. Yes. Cobblepot's terrible. Fish Mooney is, is Jada Pinkett Smith thinking she's in the 60s show. It is ridiculous. Like, she, she's been so... told, you're going to be in a Batman show. Brilliant. And then she's gone, what Batman do I know? Just that one. I'll do that. And it's like, um, maybe do some research. My character's original. Oh, yeah, good point. What's the point in your character's inclusion? Not sure. Okay, bye! Thank you, bye! You could do, if you wanted to do a cop procedural about mob stuff and everything, you could do a freaking brilliant show about, like, the Moronis, Falcones, do the crime families, mm. show that world. And there is... And tint it with the supervillainy aspect. Well, things like, that could exist. Go into the golden age, pick villains who haven't been done. In that pilot... Oh, my God. Everyone's crooked, mm-hmm. even Bullock. Yeah. Especially Bullock. Because, you know, Bullock's character has always been crooked. Um, oh, wait, no, hang on. Bullock has always been the dickhead, the arsehole, who is a good guy, and that's his appeal. It starts with him and Gordon <sighs> investigating the Wayne. Even Burton, even Burton knew that. Bullock was in mm-hmm. the first draft of Burton's film, and in the end they changed Bullock into Eckhart. They changed the character to Eckhart. He still retains... Think him. about the future! <laughs> he still retains... Oh god! <laughs> he still retained some of the physical characteristics of Bullock. He was a big guy, a bit fat. of a slobbish character. Like tends to have his mouthful when he's having taking his meetings. Because a big fat slab. But Bullock is always kind of using the animated series. They've made a thing of him like chewing on a donut while he's having an important meeting. Like even the Nightfall, the BBC dra- uh, dra- dramatization of Nightfall. <laughs> the actor, there are several outtakes at the end of it. If you download it, of him trying to do his lines through full full mouth. <laughs> it's brilliant it's like these guys get Bullock as well but no in this show it's like oh Bullock fans are like Bullock being in it he'll be corrupt Bullock's never corrupt that's part of it the charm is that Bullock 
Gordon isn't corrupt. He fights against the corruption. In stories like Year One, even to the cost of his own kind of respect and, and, and sort of safety, he'll fight against corruption. And that's the freaking appeal of him. And that's why Batman likes him. And he surrounds himself with people who aren't corrupt. He has a close circle. And that close circle is usually often depicted as Harvey Bullock and Rene Montoya. People he can rely on. But also Montoya is someone who comes into the story around the time of Batman. Yeah. But she's in Gotham, right? She's an MCU detective. For Christ's sake. Because because originally, guarantee, this show started as a pitch for Gotham and I be- Central. I believe that she also has a loving relationship with Barbara Keane, who is Gordon's fiance. Oh, for God's sake. Um, and then... His, what's the bet in this was originally a Gotham Central? That's what it was going to be. It was a TV show based on Gotham Which Central. Which a good pitch. Would be amazing. Because then pitch. you can do a story set in the present day story of Batman. Yeah. That doesn't have to be about Batman. It's about the world around it. Gotham Central, if you've never read it, it's uh, Ed Brubaker and... I'm not sure. Oh, God. Is. Brubaker and Thingy. The guys who did... It's the guys who did the Winter Soldier stuff, Winter Bucky Cap and everything. Uh, it's not... Um... Ed something. No, Ed Brubaker and... Oh, God. I'm, I'm so annoyed that I can't remember the name of the top of my head. But it's, it's it. that team. And it's fantastic. It's, it's You can get it as one big collective collective uh, like hardback I think or four paperback volumes Gotham Central is about the MCU crime like you know uh, crimes unit MCU what am I talking about Major GCU G- MC- no, Major Camp Unit oh so it is MCU yeah, yeah. god damn it things get complicated when they're all abbreviated into initials the Gotham MCU and it's brilliant it's about the night shift and the day shift you meet a cast of about 12 characters 6 teams and stuff mm-hmm you do stories with psycho killers. You do stories with uh, unfinished, like, open cases from years ago. And you also dip into Two-Face. You dip into the Joker. You dip into Mr. Freeze. These stories happen. There are stories where Batman is part of the cast for a story. They're not reliant on him, but they're set in his world. And that's why it works, because it's a procedural with a twist. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, that is what Gotham was originally going to be. And then they decided it was going to be a prequel. It's so pointless. The show's pointless. It has its fans, but they seem to be like... Again, this isn't generalising everybody. If you're a fan of Gotham, great. I hope you're getting power to you. I hope you're enjoying it. But they, they do seem to have that aggressive, loud section of the fan base who defend it to the death. Also, everything's black. The inside of the police station, is everything's painted black. Mm-hmm. They go to an apartment building to find the guy who you think shot the Waynes. His daughter's called Ivy Pepper and likes plants. Oh, God. Um, and the inside of the apartment building is painted black. Like, the the stairwell. It's all painted black. Like, thick, glossy black, so it looks like everything's been burnt. Everything's black. <laughs> like, why? Also, when is it set? I have no idea when it's set. Sort of now-ish kind of 30s, maybe. People are using cell phones, but everyone dresses like it's the 50s. <laughs> and, like, the people's performances are all like they're from different TV shows. Mm-hmm. Like, some people are really hamming it up, and some people are playing it really straight. Mm-hmm. And then Sean Pertwee turns up, and I'm like, oh, God, I love Sean Pertwee. And then he goes away again. And you're like, oh. Oh, bye, Sean Pertwee. Oh. Is he essentially being Earth One Alfred? Because that's what every adaptation has he to do. He's very... Now, like, there's a moment 
towards the end of the pilot where I'm done with your shit, Master Wayne. Gordon pulls up at the at the at the Wayne Manor to come and see Bruce and tell him like, actually the guy we, we got for your uh the guy we got for your parents' murder wasn't the guy. He was actually framed. But I'm gonna find the real guy. That's what he goes out to say. And he, as he pulls up at the house he sees Bruce on the roof of the manor. And it looks like he's about to jump off. And he's like huh? and then Alfred comes out and he's like, Oh Oh, Lieutenant Gordon. And um and then Lagon's like, uh, up on the roof? And then he just, Alfred just matches out and just, just goes, Master Bruce, what have I bloody told you? Get your bloody ass off that roof! <laughs> it's, it's, I was like, actually, I quite like that. <laughs> it's like, I like, it, it comes to pick him up from the crime scene after the, after the shooting. Mm. And, and he's not like, generally, he was like, remember, head up, stand up straight. It's like very firm and sort of like you got to you got to be resilient, Master yeah. Wayne. And he's very sharp, isn't he? And I think that was actually the most amazing casting I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm Sean Pertwee as Alfred, and I was like, oh my <laughs> god, that's amazing. And I I just want I just want to watch all of his scenes and see if there any of them are any good. So if someone could just compile the John Pertwee scenes, the John Pertwee scenes, the Sean Pertwee scenes. If someone wants to do a Sean Pertwee supercut. If you want to do a John Pertwee supercut, that'd be uh, impressive. Also, Master Wet. I would also watch that. Um, (laughs) The the only Doctor to actually make a Batman reference as well. Does he? Yeah. So Doctor makes a Batman reference. I forget how old Batman is his character Mm. as well. Predates Doctor Who. But they have cell phones. About 30 years. But they have cell phones. That's weird. Um, um, so, also, I mean, the entire Bruce storyline's a big turn off for me because I'm like, I don't want to see the story of 10 year old Bruce Wayne suddenly deciding he wants to be Batman. Yeah. Because that's not how it happens. Also, Selena Kyle's in it. Like, uh, I think she's the first character you see is her. So, like, and is she a cat burglar? She drops off a rooftop and then, like, slices open a little lady's bag of shopping and nicks a bottle of milk and then nicks someone's wallet but almost gets caught and runs around the corner. And then pours out some milk in a little thing for a cat. Cool. So that kills the cat. Yeah, it's cats can drink milk. Also, when Love she opens when she opens the bottle of the uh, bottle of milk to give some to the cat, there's a little bit left in the bottom of it. So where did the rest of the milk go? Gotham's bad, guys. Yeah, Gotham's bad, and the people behind it don't like the stuff they're talking about. But oh. not all DC TV is bad. Nil. No. Because the Flash is great. And it's coming back for its third season soon. And we've been promised that we're just going to have a lighter tone. Mm. As I mentioned before, we know that they're doing Flashpoint for at least part of it. Yes. Well, the, the at, least the, at least the first arc is yeah. Flashpoint. But not the whole season. And those effects will also be felt in Arrow in some way. Um, and there's two villains. Doctor uh, Doctor Alchemy and Savitar. I know Savitar's a speedster god. I don't know anything about Doctor Alchemy. Probably something to do with alchemy, I imagine. Yeah. Just a few bits of alchemy. Yep, some sort of science <laughs> Alchemy man. Um, and it's going to have a lot, because the, the end of season two... <laughs> Hello, I'm alchemy man. Would you like Hello, this? I'm alchemy man. I've got Would some cough set up for you. Would you like me to transmute your elements? <laughs> I can turn your lead into gold. It will be gold that is green and liquid, but it's gold nonetheless. A None nug- of this actually works. A nugget of purest green. Not like those chemists. <laughs> Those chemists with their formulas and their neatly labelled bottles, not like them. No, alchemy is the truest science. We know we can turn lead into gold. We've just never done it in 3,000 years. 
is. I'm just picturing a steampunk pensioner <laughs> stood outside a boot, no ranting. Idea. I'm sorry, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> um, uh, so, so we get to more colourful villains in the Flash season yes. three. I mean, the Flash has never has never been shy about going full comic book with its villains. Um, but it did get quite dark last season with Zoom, and particularly the last with some of the things that happened in the like the back end of of last season, it got real dark. So they're saying it's going to be a bit more comic booky and uh, and lighter in the third season, like it was in the first. Okay. Um. Uh, and two two of the best characters in the show are Leonard Snart, Captain Cole, <laughs> and his sister Lisa. The Golden Glider. Golden Glider. Who are apparently going to be the villains in the Flash movie. Okay. Oh, which I I'm mean, okay Captain with. Cold, yeah. yes, feels right, because he's one of his big, he's one of his, well, he's, he's, he's probably his most notable rogue, really. Captain Cold, Golden Glider. Captain Cold is his Green Goblin, his Joker, wizard. his, like, yeah. he's, like, the one uh, who's... No, I wouldn't go that far. I don't know, he seems to be the one who pops up the most over the years in terms of whenever they pair him with someone. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if Flash has got a definitive... If Flash has got a definitive villain, it's probably one of the speeds. It's probably reverse Flash. Eh. I um, kind of like the idea of it being the dude but, who makes him trip up on ice. But Captain Cold... <laughs> there's, there's something more charming about that. Captain so Cold his is main one, villain yeah. is the dude who makes him slip. Just slip over it and makes cold <laughs> puns all the time. Like Wentworth Miller is clearly having a whale of a time in the Flash TV show. And <laughs> Legend of Tomorrow, which is bad. But I like watching... I, I like watching... All the people in Legend of Tomorrow, I, I like... Well, not all. I like Brian Ruth. But I'm a I barista! Like, shut up. <laughs> I like... Oh, gosh, she's terrible. Um, I really like um, Victor Garber and Wentworth Miller as Leonard Snart and I really like Dominic Purcell and I really like Arthur Darville and I really like I really like Brandon Ruth mm. but they just don't get much to do because it's a bad show and it's probably been um, did they do the Jonah Hex episode yet? it's been done it's the, that first season's done it's how, like how was Jonah Hex? What did it I, like? did, I didn't watch it mm. I, I watched little bits and pieces of it and then I watched an episode where they go into the future and a giant, the atom fights a giant robot, and it's really badly CGI'd. Smashing! They don't just like take Brandon Ruth and someone in a robot suit, or at least someone in a green screen suit, and CGI it over, and have the actual Brandon Ruth fighting him, but like on a little mini set, like yeah. you know, Godzilla did in nineteen fifty. They do <laughs> they do a giant CG Brandon Ruth instead. The thing is with those shows, they're cracking. They're brilliant, but. There are moments where the CG reminds you it's a TV budget. Yeah, like especially they... in Flash. Whenever you see Barry in, in the one, oh, where he, in the one where he tackles good or in the in the high yeah, school corridor, yeah, yeah. it's dreadful. Some of the some of the CG in Flash is oh, that's not great. Not great uh, at all. So I the, the fact they even the went for that option is pretty bad. But they, the Flash get away <laughs> with it because of the quality of the writing and the charm of the characters and the actors. Yeah, Legends Tomorrow, not so much, yeah. but. We're getting, we're probably getting Captain Cold and Golden Glider for the moon, which is good. Uh, maybe all of the rogues, or some of the rogues. So, like, we've already had Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad. He's a, he's a, he's a, <laughs> a, 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 a common member of the rogues. Mm-hmm. But then we're looking also looking at people like, uh, Weather Wizard, like Mirror Master. Weather Wizard, Trickster. Weather Wizard might fare better in the movie universe than he did in the, uh, TV universe. He's, yes. the, he's the pilot one and done. Oh, his brother turns up. Well, his brother up. turns up, but uh, it's still, it sort of felt like they'd gone, so oh shit, two, we killed off Weather Wizards. I uh, think there is two Weather Wizards in the comics. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. It so. felt weird. It felt like a backtrack. It felt like, oh crap. Um, 
What? We killed off one who we could do some pretty so. high stake stuff with. But yeah. I'm so down. high hopes for Flash. Hi ho! Hi ho! I would quite like Jai to return as Captain Boomerang in the Flash. He would like you to return. As I, I would be, and I've never said that about Jai <laughs> in anything. I don't know what's happened. It's, it's so strange. I'm in bizarro world. Well, let's hop dimension, shall we? Should we jump to the other side of the big two? The other side. Have the main Now, Marvel comics have made a bit of a habit in recent years of sort of ominously announcing stuff without really saying anything. Yeah. Um events will sort of be teased 9, 10, 12 months ahead of time with like a title. Yeah. Or with an image. And then we won't find out anything about it. Even as recently as the Spider-Man arc, which is now about two months away, which is uh, Dead No More, we first got sort of talk and tease of that at the start of oh, this year. Uh, yeah, that's been going on for ages. And um, it's since, like, wow, not long after Secret Wars wrapped up. Yeah, so it's which... it's like, wow. But they, they've done it. They've done this before. This is something they've done before. And they're doing it again. Yes. With MU. What is M? And it literally, the, the teaser is just... M-U. M-U. Just two big silver letters saying M-U on a black background with January 2017 as the date. Yes. Now, when it, was, when it was originally introduced, mm-hmm. when it was originally shown off, it was credited to Steve McNiven. Uh, what Steve McNiven worked on? Uh, Steve... Uh... New Avengers with uh, Jonathan Hickman and also Jonathan Hickman's... Uh, Fantastic Four. Oh, so, so I am massive. I was going to say you love Hickman of. Four. There's, I'm just looking at some of his art now. Yes, okay, I recognise that style. I recognise that style. Yeah, That's yeah. a pretty ass style. I like it. Civil War spread there and stuff. Did you do that one? Yeah, oh, he did. Uh, I did that spread, but it was um, okay. It was a brand history yeah, brand and stuff. Um, but yeah, okay. Yep, down no, that. No, no, that. that's not Stephen Niven. It was Steve Etzing who did stuff with, with Hickman. Steve McNiven. Oh, is, right. Uh, he's done a bunch of. Um, Who's this? A young upstart then? Yes. <laughs> No, he, he's done a bunch of Wolverine. Uh, he did all yeah. my logo. I mean, look, looking that. at that, that's some that's some yeah. pretty nice stuff. So, exciting artist to be yeah, tied to something an which, which may, an I assume, because Marvel tends to have like three maybe events now, don't they? And there's usually one at the start of the year, one during the summer, and one in the autumn. Like this oh, year, like this year. series for Civil War, because he did the Spider-Man reveal. <laughs> like this year, Dead No yeah. More seems to be Marvel's sort of fall event. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... MU might possibly be like the event that kicks off next year. Well, we don't know. It could just um, be one series that's sort of like a one-off series with a big concept. We don't really know because we just know it's two letters. But then I got a lot less interested in it because when, they took down yeah. that teaser, mm-hmm. removed Steve McNiven's name, and replaced it with Greg Land, who is currently doing Uncanny X-Men with Colin Bunn. I could, I would, I would argue he's not doing anything actually, other than. Using a pencil and a thin piece of paper. Greg I Land, for those who don't know, hate Greg Land. Is a notoriously loathed artist, mostly in the fan community, bafflingly less so in the comics. Well, he industry. hits his deadlines. He hits his deadlines because he hits late. his deadlines. Whose entire career can be summed up by the word tracing. Well, no, because he did do some DC stuff. Mm. But early in his career, yeah. where he did some really good... I think for Nightwing, nice. um, uh, one of the Bat books, um, he did some de- he did some good stuff. But then just started tracing. Yeah. Or, at least, or at least using 
very similar reference photos. He uses the same reference photos over and over again. Over and over again. Different characters. Sometimes in the same book. And always in a way where people tend to look at it and go, I recognise that. And also, for those who would admit it less, he uses a lot of porn. Yes. A lot of porn as reference. There's a lot of porn. I mean, in front of us right now... Lots of, like, vacant... Like, there's that Sue Storm with the vacant eyes and the wide open mouth. Yeah. Like, right now, we're looking at reference pictures. Is that Pam Anderson? It looks like it's Pam Anderson from a very early career It's a model with... Wearing nothing but a, a... a, a belt and a funky and belt and, and knee-length white boots. And yeah. just crouched down in profile looking towards the camera. Next to it is two Greg Land illustrations. One appears to be... I'm not sure who that's meant to be, I but it's a cool character. in the middle. Really? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that might be more uh, Top Cow book or something. Thing, it's difficult to tell who he's drawing. Yeah, and then the far right left is Huntress. Both of them are in the exact same pose as this woman. Both of them clearly using it as a reference photo. Although he's changed one of the arms on each of them. Yeah, because that's all you need. But even then, the proportion. Like, why is the elbow that far out? Like, the elbow would be back here. Also, look at the size of their breasts. Yes. And the size of their waist. Just look at them. Look at them, Mario. Look at the breasts. Uh, You're allowed to. We're giving you permission to look at breasts. He's used the same Triple H... uh pose for many many different people mm-hmm. because he uses different reference material his faces are never the same yeah it characters, characters look different throughout books in or, I from mean, panel to panel when he when he did Kieran Gillen's uh, Iron Man is it Kieran Gillen? yeah yeah, yeah. he did Kieran Gillen's Iron Man uh, in Marvel Now um, Tony Stark was always no matter what in every frame had his eyes mostly closed was always always with a shit eating grin yeah every panel Almost like he just looked at the same photo of a dude laughing and tried to draw it from slightly different angles every time. Yeah. Would never dare to draw anyone else yeah. from any other angle. That's not him. That's J. Scott Campbell. What the hell's going on there? Uh, yeah. For example, I'm trying to pull up the... Tri- Here we go. This is a great yeah. one. Greg Land, how to draw Spider-Woman. This is, again, type in Greg Land Spider-Woman. This will come up in the results. So, Uncanny X-Men image. And he's pulled from other people. He's pulled so from himself. It's the Uncanny X... No, it's the same... It's, the, it's used the same app. So, he's the same... So the, it's a cover to Uncanny X-Men 5-0-something. Oh I can't yes. see what it's on the thumbnail there. And it's and it's White it's, it's white Queen and Pixie and Cannonball yes. and uh, Warpath. Then it, the next to it is one of the covers for the Ultimate Power miniseries where you've got the Squadron Supreme in it and it's literally the same pose. The Pixies and... The character, I can't tell who the character is in the front of that Ultimate Power book. Cause I, don't know my Ultimate I think that's, well I, th- I think, yeah, that's Scarlet Witch. Oh, so Scarlet Witch yeah. is, in the, is in exactly the same pose with the same facial expression. Same as hair Pixie. as Pixie. And then on the cover next to that, the Ultimate Comics Spider Woman oh, yeah, is on uh, the same pose. Yeah. Then you've got Sue Hyperion Storm. and Cannonball in exactly the same pose. Yeah. Sue Storm, White Queen, and Storm in exactly the mm-hmm. same pose across all three covers. <laughs> It's insane. So, so he's just used his own reference pictures again and again. And he's used the same composition. <laughs> it's all the, the same, same composition. It's a little bit mental. The, the point we're making is, this series was interesting. We were like, what could it well, be? I don't know if it goes, goes far to say it was interesting, but I'm like, Columbus, Steve McNiven, MU. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, what, I wonder what that could... Like, is that something to do with the movies? Yeah, where, where could this be going? Yeah. And then the moment they slap Greg Land's name on it, Top billing, might we add? Which on this teaser image, he's top billing. 
They keep putting Greg Land on series. Like the uh, Al Ewing's Mighty Avengers book, which I, I was really good, but I was it took me so long to get into. I'd wait until it was out of Marvel Limited because those first that first act was drawn by Greg Land. I picked it up was, the, It was dog shit, the I, art. I picked up the first two issues, liked them, but couldn't bear to buy three. Because that art, man. Because the art is just... It's, it's just terrible. And some people might say, well, you're reading it. It doesn't matter. It's like, but it does. It's the whole point of the medium of it. is it's a blend of the story and the design. Like we were talking about how great Humberto Ramos is, is earlier on as Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Because he's so kinetic and his figures are so gangly. I, I first got into him through... Uh, it was a Peter Parker Spider-Man arc they put out as yeah. a book called Return of the Goblin a few years ago. Which has, that's the one, though I think the one and only book where they had the Green Goblin, Nils Bond Green Goblin design where he's in like yeah. the, the grey kind of, uh, battle suit all over and he's got like the purple gloves and the really manic looking face. Umberto Ramos's art is beautiful. Cause again, it is kinetic. And it's definitely his style. Everybody tends to have their own voice, their own look. Yeah. Certain books pick artists because their style will complement the tone they want. Other books will flourish because that artist brings so much to it. Yep. MU might die on issue one, whatever it is. Well, you no, can, you can tease it as much sell. as you like. These books are always on time. These books always sell. Who's buying them? If you're buying... Right, if you're listening to this and you are buying books because Greg Land is the because artist... Because they put him with good writers who tell good stories. Please tell us why. No, but I want to know if there's... A, I want to know if he's got a devout fan base we don't know about. And they put... He's been he's been the regular artist on Uncanny X-Men several times. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let's go to a happier Marvel Let's story. Let's go to a happier Marvel story. We all thoroughly enjoyed Civil War. I think that's pretty across the board. The Marvel thoroughly. Captain America Civil War movie. Thoroughly, verily. It's out next week. I, I will be things. buying the living shit out of it the moment it hits the shelves. Yeah. I want to see it again. A lot of people, uh, sort of more in like the general cinema going audience, were going, where's Thor? Where's Hulk? Where are these characters? Hmm. Now, once you start watching the film, you forget that altogether because you're just like, oh my God, this is awesome. Well, some people wanted to know. Um, maybe it's because they didn't watch Age of Ultron because obviously Age of Ultron shows those characters going their separate ways. They're not going to be around for a bit. Most people were like, well, we know they're going to be in Thor Ragnarok, so we can wait for that story. And others were like, it would just, you know, fill the movie with too many characters. There's already lots of characters. A couple of them are additional, brought in for one big specific set piece, and that's fine. You don't need to know Ant-Man's backstory if you meet him for the first time in Civil War. You just know that they've brought in an extra helping hand and he can grow and shrink. Well, you, you don't, don't know he can grow yet. Well, well, t- well, we know growth technologies involved from Ant Man, like with the Ant and the Thomas train and everything. But yeah, it's pretty spectacular when it happens in Civil War. Um, God, it's my favorite moment in the whole film, actually. Uh, and also, like Spider Man, like you can just have your general knowledge of Spider Man, passing knowledge of Spider Man. You don't need to know loads to enjoy his inclusion in Civil War. But Marvel have decided to answer the question for those still wondering: What was Thor doing during Civil War? In Another example of why taking this shit too seriously is the wrong way to go. Oh, yeah. Because one of the special features on Civil War's Blu-ray is a mockumentary called While You Were Fighting. And it's following the adventures of Thor and his new flatmate in Australia as he tries to get to grips with Midgard a bit more and just helps out at community centres and at local schools. 
and has beer and cooks things in the sun. Goes for a cappuccino. Goes for Bruce a cappuccino Banner. with Bruce Banner. It's brilliant. It's it's. I mean, it's the fact that it opens with like his flower is called like Darren or something. It's like Darren. Uh, it's like it's like Darren Johnson or something like Darryl, that. I think. Darryl Johnson. But it's like Johnson, and then the caption for him is Thor Odinson. Yeah. Trying to make it look like it's just a normal name, and he's a normal dude with his flatmate. And his magical hammer. It's great. It's the whole really thing good. is available to watch online, which I think is a bit annoying, because it's like you kind of want to save goodies for the Blu-ray, but also brilliant, because you know more people are going to buy the Blu-ray, because it makes them laugh. Yep. I think what's happened here, because it's clearly been shot... You you say it's been shot as recently as probably a week ago. No, I don't know if it's been... I was, I oh, was telling that in jest. Yeah, I was being flippant. But yeah, well, I it was surpri- definitely shot... I wouldn't shot. be surprised if it was this month. It was like, definitely shot, shot, shot during filming for Ragnarok. Because that's... Why else? But, he's in costume, he's in shape. But I'll tell you why I think it's also recent. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like... One of the filmmakers or one of the people making the special features who've gone like, right, we've got a budget to make like some silly side thing. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them watched Ghostbusters and went... Chris can improvise. Oh, he's really funny in this. Chris can improvise. It might um, actually be... It let's might... see what happens if we build him a flat set and just film. Do you think it's been directed by Taiki Waititi? What makes you think it's been directed by Taiki Waititi? Because he directed in Batman Rock. And he directed what we do in the shadows. Possibly. Which is but... very similar in tone to this. Oh, God, I hadn't thought of that, of course. I was going to say, well, no, they'd give it to someone else so he could concentrate on, on the shots. Right? on. So they could give it to someone else so he could concentrate on the shots that don't need Chris or or mm. Mark in them. But now you've said it, it's very like what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Oh my god. So do you think Maybe. Yeah, Taika Watiti. I guess we'd find out on the Blu-ray release. Because it'd probably come with a little credit sequence at the end. That would be amazing. Oh my god. Have you seen those sort of the casual trolling he does with the other directors on Twitter? No, no, no. There's a tweet he sent to... Uh, this is the guy, again, like, just to clarify, he's the guy directing Thor Ragnarok. He sent a tweet to, um, I think it's to Peyton Reed and James Gunn, saying, Hi guys, just wondering, how? what's your quota on explosions you're meant to put in these movies? So far I've just got one. <laughs> <laughs> just things like that <laughs> so funny because the thing is the moment he was announced as director there were people who went like really? yeah he's like, not what like Kenneth Branagh did the last one he's not an action director G- I did the last one like a you know Thrones veteran like are you sure? so he's obviously playing up to that but the Russos weren't action directors mm. so what are you worried about here buddy? like Peyton Reed isn't an action director but they've got their trust in the talent. <coughs> yeah, it's, it's... It seems like it's a collaborative effort. It seems like the studio works with the directors to help them make a movie... To help the directors make a movie for the Marvel machine. Yeah. So a director can bring a bit of their unique voice and spin, but ultimately they're creating something as part of Kevin Feige's story. Yeah. Which is why Edgar Wright left, which is why Joss Whedon's had a bit of beef with them. Um, although, although not enough beef for him to say, not enough beef considering he's now saying he would, if they announced Black Widow movie, he would throw his hat in the ring. He's like, I will do that. Yeah, but don't give it to him, give it to the Russo brothers. Make it collaborative. Let him nope. write, let him write it and let them direct it. Nope, because him, his writing for Black Widow in, uh, in Age of Ultron was not good. And Russo brothers write but, well, how much way of that, better. How much of that was, of, was his stuff that they allowed through and not? And it's fullness. That was weed. That was weed. That was all weed. Mm, I don't know. I think he's come out and said that he's 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 
That can't be how he dropped the ball on her, so. Okay. Well, then he'd want to. Ah, well, then he'd want to better himself for a solo movie. Yeah, but. He'd want to do Natasha justice. I don't want him to. Okay, fair enough. Let's go make some <laughs> black and white Shakespeare just that actually that I would watch. Fair enough. Let's go, let's go do that, Joss. Well, sticking with the sticking with the majesty of Disney oh, and female-led Disney movies. You're Disney shill. Oh, I'll always be a Disney shill. Be- not because of Marvel, but because they got me in childhood. A Disney movie I'm not that excited for, bizarrely, despite certain things making me excited, is their live-action Beauty and the Beast movie. Now, I wasn't fussed about Cinderella, but I have it on good authority. Lucy, that it's a pretty damn good movie. It's Kenneth Branagh. I knew it's real good. Yeah. It's Kenneth Branagh yeah. doing a live-action version of a tale we all know, and it mostly exists as an accompany, as like a companion to the original animated movie. Yeah. In that, it's not trying to top it. It's telling enough of the, that same story to be a remake, but enough of its own thing to just be another interpretation of a non-copyrighted fairy tale. It's visually stunning, it's a bit bland in places, but it's absolutely captivating in others, and it's worth a watch. So we have it in the house, we have it on the shelf over there, I will watch it at some point. Maleficent, I have it on good authority, also Lucy, that it was shite. It's... Mm, it, it, I didn't like it. It was the same thing that happens with all Hollywood, this is the story of the bad guy movies, is it was, the bad guy isn't that bad, maybe they're misunderstood. Which is shite, because Maleficent... We're the bad guy! It's that we... I'm doing this for my daughter. Because the thing is, Maleficent is the baddest of the bad in the Disney movies. In Sleeping Beauty, she is a great villain because she's... Other villains are motivated by greed. Jafar wants to rule. He wants to be the sultan. And then he gets too big for his boots and wants more than that. They're motivated by revenge. Ursula, kicked out of of the, you know, Atlantica for reasons we don't know, wants to come back and fuck shit up and toy with Triton and the royal family. You know, like, these are the motivations. Shere Khan hates man, will tear any man he finds to pieces. Man Khan. <laughs> Although does a bit more of a showy job of it in his live-action incarnation than he does in his animated incarnation. But damn, what a voice. Um, you know what I mean? Like, all the Disney villains have a, a motivation. Maleficent's motivation in Sleeping Beauty is, oh, you're not inviting me to the christening? Well, I'm going to put all of you under a horrible curse and I'm going to screw her up on her 16th birthday. Nah. You're going to spend 16 years being paranoid about what I'm going to do to your daughter. I'm going to do some things. Like, Maleficent is a is a horrible bitch and she's great. Is Maleficent also the one who turns into a big She dragon? turns into a goddamn yeah. dragon, giving the only real kind of proactive Disney prince to a point something to do. Prince Philip battles a goddamn dragon at the conclusion of that movie. Wait, wait. If you say that, out of context, it sounds like something very different. Oh, I guess I didn't fight a dragon. <laughs> Sorry, Liz, I've got some dragon fighting to do. Michael um, McIntyre, with your, with, your, <laughs> with your Prince Philip impression. Don't you hate it when your castle's covered in thorns? And you have to fight a dragon. Um, so, okay, maybe you could team up with Dr. Alchemy. How did uh, we get here? How did we get I'm, I'm not, not sure. I don't know where Dr. Alchemy's gone. I can't bring him out again. He's outside boots, raving and ranting. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but you know, Maleficent missed the mark. Cinderella did its job. Jungle Book, I'm going to say it, I fucking enjoyed Jungle Book because it was just, again, like Cinderella, it's just, you know the story, you know our version of the story. This is what it would look like if it wasn't a cartoon. It's a different kind of magic and they make it work. 
and it's pretty damn spectacular. And again, it's out on Blu-ray at the minute, and I'm annoyed that I'm not buying it, but I'm putting that money aside for Captain America because that's the one I want to rewatch like a thousand times. But Jungle Book, great. So Beauty and the Beast, Colour Me Intrigued. The teaser trailer comes out. I don't know what Colour Me Intrigued is. Uh, is it like a puce? Well, according to Gotham, it's just black. Um, <laughs> Everything is black. Everything's black. Uh, black is the new black. Um, it's gold! The teaser trailer for Beauty and the Beast has already been released. Which gets me right in all the feels. This is the one that shows the castle. It shows like rooms in full resplendent colour fade. So it shows the, the, the once proud like sort of a palace turning into the, the ruined and, and uh, neglected version that it is when we arrive there in the story. Which is trailer speak for. We haven't actually shot any usable footage yet, guys. Yeah. But it's enough to sort of gear the interest, and it uses that score, the beautiful ding, 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 comes in from the yeah. from the um, the opening of the original movie, yeah. and it's beautiful. And you hear a tiny bit of Ewan McGregor's uh, Lumiere, and he's gone for a very sort of specific French accent in a way where it's a little disarming at first, and then the second time you watch the trailer, you go, okay, he's not the same as Lumiere from the animated one, but I'll buy it. And you hear McKellen, Ian McKellen's Cogsworth, and you go, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> like, okay, this fits already. Well done. And that's great. As a taster, it's great. It gets you in the mood. But, but. I'm not blown away by Emma Watson as Belle. We've not seen any of it yet, so I can't really judge. Yeah. But the thing is, Belle is sort of held to a certain degree in your head, and it will take a live action version of the Disney version to be seen to either shatter that version in your head and make you more accepting, which is what I'm hoping will happen, or for you to go, no, she'll never meet the standards. She'll never meet the standard of what we all picture Belle to be like because of the animated version. I I picture Belle to be like how she's drawn. Late 90s Rachel Rise. No, I just picture Belle to be how yeah, like yeah. she's no, but drawn. Like it, but like if you put if you cast Rachel Rise and it was the late 90s, I'd go, okay, for some reason I see that. She's kind of waifish, I guess, yeah. in a way like that. I don't know, and, and don't also know. like the thing. I don't know, but basic, basically, it's it's weird for us. To, we can't really judge. We're not Belle, but I'll say this from null to bolted by Jimmy. I'll Gibbs. say this for nothing. A bolted by Jimmy Gibbs. Some set photos have been released. Yeah. Um, some little sort of snippets. One is a green screen on set photo. Of uh, what's his name? Jack Morris. No, Jack Morris is the producer. Who Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Um, as Dan uh, Stevens. As Prince Adam, so the Beast in human form, presumably from the end of the story. Consider he seems to be in. What, like, Prince Adam shirt. of Eternia. Is this the He-Man reboot? I have the tusks. Uh, not that one, no. But he's there. He looks like the human beast, slightly less off-putting than the cartoon human beast. Looks like Dan Stevens in a wig. We have a shot of the tavern, presumably during. Gaston. No um, one fights like Gaston. No one bites like Gaston. No one makes the rhymes awesome. all night like Gaston. I'm especially good at being played by really funny people at the Disney theme parks. We can see Luke Evans from behind in his uh, Gaston outfit. From behind, that That's certainly my, looks like Gaston. That's my favourite Luke Evans angle. <laughs> we can see um, Josh Gad as the Foo. Thanks to Pixels. I wish but, I couldn't see Josh. Yeah. Thing, <laughs> I just is, wish I couldn't see Josh Gad as anything. I might be wrong. I'm sure I've heard somewhere that he played him in the Broadway version at some point. Maybe. I'm, I think it is good casting, but 
I'm a bit sick of him since he's been on the Sandler machine and it seems like Disney are just yeah. going, you're Olaf, we want to use you more. So it's like, yeah. Eh. However, I'm sure he'll be great as long as he's not just shouting all of his lines. And the tavern certainly looks good. Lou's just out of the room. Lou, look, Beauty and the Beast production stills. Beauty and the Beast production stills. Look, 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 look. Look, that's Prince Adam. What do you think? What do you think? Awesome. Yep. There's Gaston and LeFou. It's great. Yeah? It's great. Good. Oh, dear. And there's, look, there's Lumiere and Cogsworth. Amazing. Oh, really, though? No. No. Not at all. I'll speak to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the spin-off okay. podcast that'll come soon called Lucy's Got Some News. Um, um, so, Cogsworth and Lumiere look a little too elaborate for me. We're not seeing them animated. We're just seeing them as objects. But I can't picture where the hell they're going to put a face or anything on it. Maybe there's on the sort of face a, of there's Lumi- sort of a face in, co- in on Cogsworth's clock face. Like he's got little, he's got a little pair of holes and a and a, <laughs> and a little hole. And there's sort of a face in Lumiere, but it's in a way that looks more like it's it looks like it's it melted. looks like Return to Oz kind of. Or, yeah, or a, it's, it's like if Guillermo del Toro made Beauty and the Beast. Ooh. It looks a little too Ooh. twisted for Disney. Ooh. But, I don't know. It, it, we are edging ever closer to its March release date, and we know nothing, really. Nothing. Beyond the teaser trailer and these images. But, Lou, did you like Cinderella? I loved Cinderella. Yeah, did you like Jungle Book? I loved Jungle Book. Did you like Maleficent? Really not. So, two for three so far. Yes. Let's hope that it's three for four. I'm worried about Emma Watson. Yeah, we've just been saying about Emma Watson. Like she, she, it's, it's like the Joker. It's like being told for the first time, oh, the Joker's going to be in a movie. And it's like, oh, no one will ever really live up to that part, how it is in my head. Belle's still kind of like that. Because as an animated character, she's spot on. It's going to be really I don't understand this, because you keep saying, <laughs> they will never look like how I think Belle this looks like in my head. She looks like how she's drawn! I know, well, no, no, no. I don't mean in terms of matching the physical look. I don't mean in terms of matching the physical look. The way you hold the character in the head, the way you think about them, your interpretation. I don't. Like Sherlock Holmes. If I said to you, Sherlock Holmes, you have in your head an idea of what Sherlock Holmes is, yeah? For the most part, I would say the general movie-going public's idea of what Belle is in the story of Beauty and the Beast isn't any other interpretation. It's the Disney version. So to hear that Emma Watson is portraying that character in live action, I can't quite see her playing that. I don't know yes. what it is. I, would yes, have I understand to... this. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I'm just not wording it correctly. I need to see her in action to form an opinion. In action. And I hope I hope she blows me away. World in action. Um, I want much more than this provincial mental image of what she might be like. I don't think we have anything more to say about Beauty and the Beast. No, but we do have one more thing to say oh, in a fairy tale realm. Those familiar with the TV show oh, Once Upon a Time, Liam Garrigan as the character of Arthur, specifically uh, King Arthur. Uh, so Sword in the Stone, grown-up version, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, Michael Bay makes films the same way that Zack Snyder makes films, or at least how we joke about it, which is he just Googles something and the first result is what he puts into his material. Michael Bay, ladies and gentlemen, has Googled King Arthur and has seen that this guy plays King Arthur and has cast him as King Arthur. But what's he cast him as King Arthur in? Now, we have a King Arthur film coming out next year, but it's a Guy Ritchie movie, so it's not that. We don't have any King Arthur TV series or another King Arthur adaptation coming out in cinemas. And isn't Michael Bay busy with something? Transformers 5 has King Arthur in it. What? 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 Yes? What was that vo- ethereal voice from the, from beyond the, the, the realms? What? Exactly. Can I have a piece of your chocolate for no. please? Okay. What? Which is Matthew's voice. Now, I'm going to open this up to you because... 
Transformers is your is probably like I put if that's the, if if you were to if I were to say Conan Watson, Conan what Watson. is best in life? I would guarantee um, at least one of those things would be the Transformers. Take um, <laughs> changing to car, changing to man again, changing to car. That's the that's what is best in life. Fair enough. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah. Michael so, Bay done fucked up those movies, though. Now, like, all of them. They're all many, terrible. How many have you now seen of the Bayformers? I've seen two and a half, because yes. I couldn't make it all the way through the third one. Okay. And the trailer for the fourth one made me want to bash my head against a wall until my brains came out. So you've not seen Dinosaur uh, Transformers? I've not seen yet. Dinosaur Transformers. Dinoformers. Okay. Dinoformers. But to be fair, I don't have a problem with... Dan- 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 Dinosaur Transformers, the Dinobots were a key part of the original G1. Plus, you know, Beast Wars and stuff, like, we can believe the Transformers can have animal form and, and this, that, and the other, so it's not too much of a stretch, it's something we've seen before. And they don't transform into organic dinosaurs, they transform into, like, robot yeah. versions of dinosaurs. Now, have the Transformers ever been involved in Arthurian legend? Probably, at some point in the cartoon. Really? But I bet it sucked. <laughs> so, King Arthur's in a Transformers movie. How does this make you... A man who knows what's best in life to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and, and, pick, and a pick up a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> When I read the headline to you before, your reaction was one of utter bafflement and confusion. I just don't know what they're doing! <laughs> like, what are they doing over there? <laughs> what is it? What? Why? <laughs> What story are they telling? What's going on? It, it. The thing is, right? The movie's called The Last Night, so there's going to be some Arthurian stuff in it. Clearly, the the teaser image we've had so far is of Optimus's hand holding a sword. It's a big techno-y, organic-y sword, like all the Transformers shite. So clearly, movies. Excalibur's going to turn out to be some sort of Cybertronian artifact. Like everything is a. Like every ancient thing ever in the series has turned out to be some kind of ancient Cybertronian artifact. Because Pretty apparently much. the whole of Cybertron fell to Earth at some point. Pretty much. Um, listen. Is Merlin's magic going to be a Transformer? Can we just make a movie? An, a, a, an action movie about giant robots... That turn into trucks. That turn into trucks beating each other up. Right? Um, we, don't, we don't need... We don't need some... Um, Shia LaBeouf but we don't need Shia LaBeouf and his terrible family we don't need his unreasonably dad, attractive like, girlfriends apart from the dad who plays the disgruntled dad in nearly every film yeah that's what he does <laughs> no, that's, how, that's how Michael Bay casts like you say he looks at people who've played the same thing in something else you were like, a disgruntled dad in Small Soldiers you, you, could could be a you could be a dad here um, we, so, don't, we don't need a list of female actors who Michael Bay is basically just Putting in yeah, like, actors in the loosest term. We don't need any. We don't need any like do- like people to like women to fawn over, because that stuff's gross. It's a Transformers it's, movie. It's, it's not- particularly gross in the Transformers movies. It is really upsettingly gross, particularly in the third one. I've not seen the fourth one, but I imagine it gets pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's downright upsetting at times in that third one. It's like, oh god. Why? Especially because that actress, Rosie Huntington Whiteley, so she's casted that basically to be an underwear model. Yes. Which I believe is what she was before she was that. Yes. But then she goes on to be in Mad Max Fury Road and he's great! 
Yes. She's great in it. Yes. She can clearly, she can clearly act. So all she's done is she'll be like, all, all Michael Bay's done is go, okay, just, just be a woman and I'm going to take pictures of your ass and <laughs> put them on screen. Uh, it's just, it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. And I hate, and I hate Transformers now. And it's all your fault, Michael Bay. So we'll be looking forward to the release of Transformers The Last Night on June 23rd of next I'm year. I'm going to have to watch it. Also I? starring Mark Wahlberg I'm again. I'm going to watch Age of... Oh, Matt Wahlberg's in it again. As popular character Cade Yeager. Christ. Oh. <laughs> Bay in the director's chair. As of yet, not released one of his usual onset images of him looking unusually epic in a heavily staged image of him directing oh. with windswept locks oh, flowing God. in the breeze and... Low angles. The really bad, the really upsetting thing about Michael Bay is he's not—he's not a hack. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, it's calculated and it's intelligent and it's smug and it's managed within an inch <laughs> of its life. And he knows exactly what he's doing and how manipulative he's being. And that's the really upsetting thing about Michael Bay movies. <sighs> well, now we need cheering up. You do need cheering up. So you guys are going to do it! Yeah. Let's have a look at the inbox. We've got an email we want to read out. And we've also, uh, we're also going to delve into our other ongoing feature we've only ever done once before. <laughs> what's in the spam filter? Okay. Well, Matthew, what's in the spam filter? What's in the spam filter? Is it dreams? Is it life? Is it we'll, Viagra? We'll, 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 take, we'll go out on the spam. We'll go out on the spam. Okay. Because what's in the non-spam filter? Before we do get to the spam filter <laughs> of dreams, I want to talk about an email we got from John Granston. Oh, you handsome man! Uh, John Granston says the ginger animator, the gin- at ginger animator, mm-hmm. ginger animator <laughs> on Twitter. It's all the same word. Um, it's all the same <laughs> word. Ahoy, there, fellas, mateys. Just caught up on your latest episode of the podcast. It's always great to hear people wax the ripple about Stranger Things. And usually I'd be willing to jump in and wax alongside, but I felt like I should bring this to your attention. Oh, mince. I'm not particularly scared of clowns. Uh? And while horror mine, not my go-to watch, doesn't usually disturb me. However, your discussion about the movie, Gloing. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Gloing. Okay. <laughs> That was my that was my uh, Peter Stamari. Um <laughs> clown. Evil fucking thing <laughs> The images you described, for instance, <laughs> the slide scene or especially the jawbones mm. have crawled into the recesses of my brain and spring out at me where I least expect it. It's been a very long time since something has stuck me with it like this, but I find it interesting. Something about it really has upset me? But not in a I'm angry with you way, just in a really captivating way. It's something I've not experienced since I was a child. You, you poor son. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got, um, I'm sorry, John. I'm going to set your homework. I'm so then. sorry. I'm your so homework sorry. is watch clown. Yeah. Watch it. It's the only way to exercise the demon. Face your fears, sir. I suppose the point I'm trying to get to here is are there any images from film or television that have disturbed you in such a way and stuck with you? And is this why you two gentlemen have a love of horror? Anywho, loving the podcast, keep up the good work. Ah, thank you, John. Oh, well, we, should, we, we, shall, we, shall, we shall come down to you from our podcast ivory tower. Yes. And, and tell you, tell you the people. Question. 
Any horror images that stick in the head that put us in, in like, what made us horror fans? Um, or that just, like, just stuck with us and disturbed us? Well, one for me isn't directly from a film, but it's, it's, I grew up with a massive fear of mannequins, and I still kind of have a bit of an aversion to mannequins, which look as dolls, porcelain dolls. They still kind of freak me out a bit. I kind of celebrate that now. I like the fear of it. Um, but it was things like the Autons and Doctor Who that did it, and, and yeah, stuff like that. However, the one that sort of cemented that fear was, was Chucky. Yeah. Who I adore now. I love him. I've got Chucky in my office. Yeah. I've got Tiffany in my office. I've got all the films. Those are my favourite movies. But I still get freaked out by the idea of him. And it was because Blockbuster Video in Walkden, when I was a kid, when they first got Bride of Chucky on VHS, so I would have been eight, mm-hmm. they had a wall of it. The front cover of that VHS was Chucky and Tiffany. So like this still photograph of them both looking sideways toward the camera. So it was a wall of these dolls staring at me. And then after the film sort of like was not their main release anymore, they still kept them on the wall. Because it was just part of the display of horror films. Yeah. So that one always stuck out to me. That was something that that, that really got me fascinated with horror because I realised I couldn't look away. It scared me, but I always kept looking at it. So that kind of got me into it all. But aside from that... That's the thing with horror though, isn't it? It, it scares you, but you can't It's look a car away. crash. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, aside from that, I guess it would be Nightmare on Elm Street, actually. Yeah. The idea of Freddy, I found out about him as a young kid, because someone at school had seen one of them when I was really young and was describing it. Yeah. And I thought it was an amazing idea. There was, was a lot really of that going around on the old, on the old uh, Back playground. in the, the pre-internet days, yeah. kids would tell each other about stuff like their older brothers and sisters let them yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. And then I and then I finally sort of saw, I think it was the first Elm Street, when I was about 12? I didn't see Nightmare on Elm Street movie until much later. Not not because I was particularly afraid to, just because I just never got around to it. But it's the scene where the girl's being tossed around the room. By oh, like yeah, nothing. yeah. You can't see what it is, but yeah, you keep yeah. seeing it slicing her. She's getting mm. cut all over and smacked into walls. That's the horror image that stuck with me. Not particularly visceral, not particularly gory or violent, but it was just really shocking Yeah, for 12-year-old me. And I think that was probably the first thing that made me go, I quite like horror movies. I want to see more. I think it is that car crash thing. And from, and that was certainly what it was for me when I was younger because it would always be about, oh, what can I find in the in the, uh, in the the video store that has the video store? Video <laughs> shop that has the most terrifying cover. So, you'd, like, your Nightmare on Elm Streets were always popular ones. The Critters movies had great covers. The 80s and the 90s were very um, big on... Oh, yeah, on, on, late, on, late 80s, early 90s, basically. Studios would make the, v- um, the VHSs look frightening. The Puppet Master movies had terrible They always covers. looked really creepy, yeah. They are terrible, mm. but they have great covers. Um, <laughs> we watched the first one together, didn't we? And we, and we watched Puppet Master vs. Demonic Ties. <gasps> I don't think I made it... I think I fell asleep during it, Oh, actually. it's not good. <laughs> it's not good! Um, be like, what's this film about evil puppets? Nope, it's about Nazi scientists. It's really strange. <laughs> it's so odd. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is like just like those cover arts and the post, like the Hellraiser covers, mm, yeah, things like that, and like I, oh, that looks fascinating, but it also looks terrifying at the same time. <laughs> um, and sometimes the movies live up to that. Sometimes they don't. Um, I rem- I have very very early memories of sneaking down. No, I was in, I was, we were on holiday. And I was, we're in a caravan and I snuck out of my bedroom and into the main room of the caravan and my parents were watching The Thing on TV. That did not go well for me. Oh my God, where were you up to? Uh, it was, people were coming apart. 
Oh, so it's um, body on fire whilst the head turns yeah, into it, a spider. It might have been that scene. Oh, God. Um, but that stuck in my Someone memory. Someone else in the room just started shaking their head out of sheer instinct at the mention and, of that scene. And since and I've since become my favourite movie. It like, is it's, your favourite It's film. my favourite movie. It's, it's amazing. Um, but yes, like, I, <laughs> I remember coming across the 80s remake of The Blob. <gasps> on, um, you can't really find TV that nowadays, but that is horrifying. And I still have not been able to get my rounds to bring myself to watch that it's again because like, it I shows got, digestion. I got to the moment where um, they're in. It's really early on. Or in the hospital, where, where they were in the hospital, and they, they brought the bum in, and then they go to the bum who, who touched it originally, and then they go to check on him in the bed, and they pull the covers back, and there's nothing left of him below the neck. Yeah. I was like, nope, <laughs> nope. For me, with that one, it's the it's the the the, the one that they, where they're on the, in the center of the room, so and they're, seen, reach, they're reaching out. Oh, right, this one's reaching out, trying to get out of it. Just grabs someone, uh. else, and the person grabs their arm and pulls and pulls, and the arm comes off. Oh, and you see, oh, God. you see the face under like the 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 pink oh. layer. Go from sort of looking healthy and like a full blood body face to thinner and whiter, uh, and then it just starts to melt away. See, that's one of my th- that's one of my oh, things. That's, that's horrible. That's always going to. There's a character trapped in a phone booth at one point, and it engorges the phone booth, and you can see someone else in its oh. body pressed against the glass, half digested. Oh. It's horrifying. I, I'm that, surprised that one doesn't have a bigger following. Actually, that's that's, that's a main. It's got it's got a pretty solid cult following. Because that's also the one where where release. it comes out of the sink and grabs someone's face, isn't it? Yeah, and pulls the, them into the sink. The same guy who is he's a meal in RoboCop, so he gets melted in RoboCop <laughs> yes! as well. Yes, um, <laughs> melting is a thing in in horror movies that always freaks me out. <laughs> uh, like yeah, like RoboCop, like mm. Blob, um, even Kane in Dragonfire, the Doctor Who episode. Yeah. That freaked me out as a little kid. And it's the same effect that's at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is a PG. Yes. <laughs> and that movie ends with Nazi's heads melting. Um, I think they got away with it because they, they made the flesh look more white as it actually yeah. melted. That was like the one thing that made it just a little, a little outside of realistic gore. So melting effects. So they got away with it. But yeah, that is some horrifying shit. They're moments that always stick in my head and always make me more interested in the movie. But yeah, I've never come back and watched the uh, watched the 80s blob. Again, it's not actually that easy to find. What's a tame horror thing that haunted you as a kid? Because for me, for me, it's the end of Gremlins. It's the voiceover Um, at the end of Gremlins freaked me the fuck out at the age of 11 and it's always stuck with me. Um... The whole, you know, um, so next time, uh, what is it? Your TV can't cut out or your washing machine goes on the fritz. Before you call the repair, turn on all the lights, look under all the beds. That used to do it for me. Yeah. I was like, oh God, I'm freaked out. <laughs> definitely Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones. I was legitimately freaked out by actual, genuine adult horror movies as a kid. Mm. Things like The Blob and the crit- and Critters and stuff like that. I've never gone back and watched it now that I'm an adult. Critters? And I'm not scared of it. Do you lend it to you? No, not really, because I'm not really bothered. They're not great. <laughs> no, like, They're really I'm not like... great. I bought all four in a box set for eight quid. Yeah, They're really not I, great. I've seen that around and I thought, shall I pick it up and give it a go? I, I, maybe when they come on streaming, I'll give it a go. But... Worth watching just for number three to see Leonardo DiCaprio's sort of first lead role in a I hear in number two's got some great, like, 
set pieces in it. It's just it's um, the, it's the camp of the space bounty hunter stuff. That yeah, and also really that odd. kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, I didn't ever come back. I haven't ever got around to to watch them. But yeah, t- actual tame stuff in regular movies. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I'll think about that for next time because I'm sure there's something. But I can't, I can't. all the screaming heads in the cabinets in Return to Oz. I mean, that's see, I didn't see Return to Oz until I was a teenager. Okay, fair so enough. So I did that. It was creepy, mm. but it didn't like freak me out. We should do an episode on creepy eighties family movies. Yeah, yeah, because they really pushed the envelope with some of that stuff. Speaking of pushing the envelope, okay, so who's tried to sell us some shit? This, this is week? the most. This is the most important email we had this week, and it's from. <laughs> no offense, John. Long we are time, we are in an ivory podcast town. Long time listener, <laughs> first time writer, Miss Miriam M. Suleiman. Oh yeah. Big fan. Meet them all the conditions. Title, title, title is Ari. Mm-hmm. Colon. It's just a reply. I love, I I love a bit of religious I don't, know what she, I don't know what she's replying to because we didn't send her an email as far as I'm aware. But anyway, um, Ari. Colon. How are you? Proposal for gold valued at, at 38 mm, US dollars. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. So hello friend. Hi. Hello friend. Hi Miriam. Miriam. My name is Miss Miriam Suleiman from Miriam. Syria. Hi, Miriam. I'm 21 years old and the only surviving child of late General Mohammed Suleiman, who works as a former general and special presidential advisor who was assassinated. Can I the stop you there, Miriam? is terrible. Miriam, can I stop you there? Uh, is, you said he's dead, but he, he works as... Um, he worked as. He worked. He worked. He worked. Oh, as. worked. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, just checking. But there's, there's a double space after worked and everything's <laughs> capitalised. Oh, God. Um, I am writing from Syria. Well, congratulations. I have a proposal for 900 kilograms of 24 karat gold valued at 38 million US dollars, which I will like, which I will like you to oh, help I like me you. claim. We, we like you too. I will like you to help me claim. Oh, sweet. Sell and invest, capital I, for some reason, mm. I don't know why, the money in your country. Again, capital Y, I don't know. Presently, due to the war here, I, tiny I, Oh, terrible, terrible grammar, Marion. I know English is probably your second language, but this is terrible. You know, I think she's feeling really small about herself. She's feeling, she's feeling like she's insignificant. She's pleading. That's why she's using a lowercase i. I cannot travel out to go and claim the gold, gold, and invest it where it is deposited in offshore country. Right. I don't so, know where offshore country is, but that's where it's deposited. But we and we don't know where that gold is then. No, it's, sure it's, it's, it's deposited in offshore country. Okay, offshore country. I would like you to kindly write me at my private email. Which oh. is miriamsool01 at gmail.com. So that I can tell you in details what you are expected to do for me and also for me to send you documents proof. I am ready, uppercase I, well done. Smash it. To give you 50%. She's got the confidence now, that's why. 50% of the gold. What? It's. To your help. This will not waste your time. Thank you for writing me back and God bless you. I hope to hear from you soon. Miss Miriam M. Suleiman. Write me back here, please. Miriam Suleiman01gmail.com. Um, I thought she wanted us to write back at her private email address. But... You know what we're going to do? That was a private email address. She'll put it again. Oh, it twice. okay. Fair enough. You know what we're going to do? What are we going to do? We get rich. We get sweet ass rich. I want to send her an email right now. We're going to get sweet ass rich. And I'm going to get 50% of that $38 million worth of US dollars gold. Well, do you know what? Sod, sod emailing, mate. She, let's tell her now. She's clearly a big fan. Miriam. Miriam. We'll do it. You know the address. You know where we lives. 
Hit us up with the deets. It's a secure email channel. Hit us up with deets. Get us on Twitter. You know? (laughs) If you would like to sell us 50 million in gold into our Nigerian bank account, you can do such a thing at bigdamncontact at gmail.com. I want to hear about offshore gold. Yeah. I want to hear about investments, and opportunities. If can, and if you can make our willies five times bigger. I really, really want to hear about what you've got that can help me with my problem. <laughs> you know, the one. <laughs> I also want to hear from you if you're a sexy lady looking to have fun time. Or just to and, make friend. Or just to make friend. Or just uh, to make marry. Yeah, make I've marry is also marry. good. Make marry is one I've heard. And... If you've got sexy pics, mm-hmm. definitely want to see them. No, we definitely want an email saying that you've got them and you will send them if we reply to this email with our bank account numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Smashing. Smashing. So if you could send those. Send those along. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Failing that, if you've got any unimportant questions about comic books and shit, send them to And we will see you in our mansion that we're going to buy with all this gold. All that gold. Gonna be rich. Leave a review on iTunes. Yeah, ah! and we'll split the profits.